You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Hello and welcome to a live Feedback Friday here with, uh, with no pilot. Declan is on vacation here. If we crash this live stream plane, we apologize in advance here, Judd. How are you on this Feedback Friday? Oh, I'm fantastic. Are you kidding? I'm fantastic. I am about to uh, head out with Don to Iowa City to go watch maybe one of the greatest football games of 1928 that could be played. (laughs) We have an historic over-under of 30 and a half right now for Gophers, Iowa tomorrow. I'm tempted to say this for this game. Ban the forward pass altogether. Just ban it. Agreed. And you must have at least three tight ends on the field at all times offensively or two tight ends and a fullback. And the helmets, leather, no face masks. Yeah, I think you're on to something here. Let's go Bronco Nagurski. Football. Let's make it happen. We have a big batch of feedback here. So this is what we do every Friday. We go live just after 10 o'clock Central Time on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And uh, we dive into as many of your questions, comments, concerns, critiques, whatever you want to send us throughout the week. We stockpile stuff through the feedback tab. Is That's the best place to send us, like, emails, Scornorth app, feedback tab. We also monitor the YouTube comment section. So we got a bunch of stuff here. Today's Purple Daily live stream is presented by our friends at Quick Trip. Tell the audience here. It feels like, like the Purple Daily faithful already were huge fans of Quick Trip. So this has been a great partnership through the first few weeks. In fact, you know what? Hold on a second here. Let me let me change the cap. Oh, gotta I got to get the quick trip cap on. Yep. <laughs> I got to get it. Look at that. Look at that right there. And then t- t- tell you about, yes, the, the favorite store, no question about it, of uh, PD, of both us and those who, who watch, hopefully, is our friends at Quick Trip. Because you know what? One-stop shopping, gasoline, you need the great coffee, the Karuba coffee or how about this the chicken options yeah i'm talking i'm talking uh, uh lunch i'm talking dinner i'm talking fried chicken bone in which is eight uh ap special on wednesdays roasted whole chicken special on that because it's prepared fresh daily every monday chicken tenders we all love chicken tenders i know phil Mackey does prepared fresh daily three or eight piece we're talking sizable portions here chicken sandwiches boneless wings you name it quick trip has got it quick trip stop in and you know what Send us your picture on Twitter, on X, I guess it is, at Jay Zolgad. We want to know that you went to Quick Trip. Thank you. Let's uh, let's dive in here. Dylan Dean says, hey, all, love the show. I've been talking with a good old Cousins Crusader, and he says he would take Cousins over Trevor Lawrence because he's a better quarterback. And the first thing he brings up was the statistics. Statistically, Cousins is good. But you can do more with Trevor and build a team for him to succeed. To me, Trevor has more of a championship pedigree and that killer instinct. What do you guys think? 
So real quick, this I saw this question earlier, and it kind of okay. we haven't done quarterback rankings in a while, so this is a good way to sort of spark. We should do quarterback rankings here, which we will in a moment. But isn't it kind of amazing how, like Kirk Cousins puts up excellent stats, right? And no, and no one is saying that he's a bad quarterback or a garbage great quarterback. Stats. Puts up great stats. I think there's Absolutely. been a disconnect between sometimes the stats he puts up and how sure. good he is. Or like the stats he puts up and the impact he has on winning, mm-hmm. but when when you look at like his stats compared to some of the other quarterbacks, you can make a case like, oh, he's gonna make like a top five quarterback. But to me, when I with my when I use my eyes to watch Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, some of these other guys or Josh Allen, like I see different quarterbacks. I see one level for these guys, and then I see another level for Kirk. So how do you explain Kirk's stats versus maybe some of the other guys that we? put higher up on rankings um i think the easiest way to explain it is this it's why we watch games like if you just wanted to digest statistics and like every like let's just say that you love football but you never watched a game on sundays and then every monday you went to the espn.com stats and you said this quarterback is great i mean that's what stats are stats are and, and it depends on what stats you look at at times but the thing with the kirk crusaders the cousins crusaders that i don't get and and is why do they try to to deny kirk so much because like when they're accused of being a crusader what i see is no i'm not i'm a i'm a fan of football or i'm a vikings fan you know i don't defend kirk and but then they continually do it which is by the way fine like if you love him and especially if you're young like that's awesome knock yourself out no one's saying that you can't love him but what I don't understand is like there's this denial of it then. Well, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just know football. Well, OK, perhaps you don't like people got very upset last year because at some point in time to a few folks, I'm like, you don't really like the Vikings. You like Kirk Cousins. So if but, Kirk Cousins yeah. goes to Tampa Bay tomorrow, you're going to root for Tampa Bay. And but yeah, exactly. I have no problem with that. So uh, I just I would like an acknowledgement from them that, you know what? Kirk Cousins is my favorite quarterback. I absolutely love him. And he is a good QB. But yes, I I will defend him over everybody. If someone did that, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. That's you. You be you. Yeah, it just, I think you you brought up a good point on yesterday's shows too, which is we we, we spend so much time trying to figure out like what Kirk needs. So like like we're, we're letting Kirk down because the offensive line isn't good enough, or we're letting Kirk down because the defense isn't good enough. You know, it's never Kirk's fault. This, that we're actually going to see here starting Monday night and then Packers game, Falcons game, no Justin Jefferson. We're going to see what he's capable of. Cause I think this is where you make your money as a highly touted big time salary quarterback. Like he's, He's been making more money the last six or seven years in the NFL than almost any quarterback. Patrick Mahomes signed that big, the, the big contract. Deshaun Watson moving forward is on that list. But like when we take away your top weapon and now we need you to really be the driving force, you're going to have to find a way. What did we talk about for years about Tom Brady and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and even Patrick Mahomes now, right? Those guys are star making quarterbacks. Greg Jennings Congratulations. You're about to be a 1,200-yard receiver. Javon Walker, welcome to the big leagues. I'm going to change your life. You're going to catch 85 passes and 10 touchdowns this year, right? Sidney Rice, come on down. I am going to anoint you as one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. 
is Kirk Cousins capable of doing that in the absence of Justin Jefferson? Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, this is your lucky day, boys. You're about to go for 10 catches, 125 well, yards, and two touchdowns. Who wants and, it, right? And you got to pick the right one, though, too. Like, like that's the thing is it can't be, and this goes beyond Kirk, but this whole thing of, well, the you know, he was open, so I threw to him. Now, that's not necessarily how this works. If you think about the guys, to, to use your word, that Cousins anointed, he anointed Donald Driver, little known guy, and he anointed him and said, I'm going to throw to you. Well, Cousins didn't. Rogers and or Favre I'm, did. I'm sorry. Favre did. Favre yeah, did. Yeah. Favre anointed Driver. Favre anointed Javon Walker. Favre anointed Rice with Berrien on the team. That doesn't mean that Berrien didn't contribute. It does mean that Favre picked his guy. So, yeah. But, but again, if you love Cousins, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I got rankings favorite for players, right? Or I got rankings for you here. All right. Okay, so I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to go until I get to Kirk. OK, so I'll start at one. And we'll see how far it, I'm curious, too, if you guys w- were looking at the comments here on YouTube, give us your rent. Where do you think Kirk ranks right now? And here's the parameters. Current NFL quarterback rankings, mm-hmm. not counting salary, not counting what they might be in two years. Right. Right now, who do you want leading your team from now until the end of the season? And obviously, like. There's some context here. For instance, there's a couple quarterbacks who are putting up numbers. They're good, but maybe the system and the weapons. So you have to kind of parse apart quarterback versus system of weapons. Number one for me is still Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Number two, number two gets harder now, I think, because like Joe Burrow was hurt for the first part of the year. It looks like he's kind of coming back here now, but he's having one of the worst seasons of his career in terms of like QBR and productivity. So I actually have Josh Allen number two right now. Looks like he's kind of bouncing back from being a turnover machine last year. Joe Burrow, when healthy, I still have number three. So I'm kind of giving him some grace that his calf is on the mend. I've got two a number four right now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you took away some of those speedsters on the edges, this right. is where it gets a little tough because, like, right. he's really good. If you took him out of that car and put him in a different car, does he is he a star-making quarterback? I don't know, but he's well, certainly driving the hell out of the car that he's being given right now. And he's also with a with a head coach who looks like an absolute mastermind, too. Yes. But that's not, you know, here, here's my question on things like that. Can you use that against him? Like, it, it's to, to what you're saying, it seems almost unfair to, to be like, well, if I put you if I put you with Urban Meyer, you'd be a failure. OK, but he's not with Urban Meyer. And in. You know, wherever Kirk lands is largely based on Justin Jefferson. Yep. And again, I, I like Tua so, has like the you. he has the fastest skill position players in the in the NFL. So there's it's hard to parse some of this stuff apart. He it's but he but he was also one of if not the best college football quarterbacks when he was there at Alabama, and mm-hmm. he was you know highly touted first round draft pick. Five Justin Herbert, six Trevor Lawrence. Jalen Hurts looks like he's having a hard time getting going here. He's he's got the seven interceptions and did not look good against that Jets defense. But I still I'm going to go kind of body of work going back to last year too. I've got Jalen Hurts seven. Mm-hmm. You're going to kill me for this. I have Jared Goff eighth right now. Oh boy, this this feels like a victory lap. No, he's on your part. Have you he's I mean well. have you he's ducked into some of these Lions games? He's played great. He's, Awesome. I tried to so I tried to do this based on certainly somewhat how they played this season, but also like if I had them for one game, like would I take 
um, would I take Goff or Kirk? And so that's where I, I felt like the top five or six are pretty simple, like in context of 2023 or, or in context of career, like mm-hmm. who, who would I take? Um, but yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I, I wish Dex was here to react as well to Jared Goff being here. So, I mean, but he's played well. If he, he would react well. negatively, he would be wrong. That's fine. Uh, Lamar Jackson is nine. Brock Purdy, 10. And then I have Kirk 11th right now. With like a group of five or six guys kind of right behind Kirk. I've got like Dak Prescott. I think I have Kirk back above Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing too, though, is is if we're just talking about like for one game right now, you know who's actually come back and played pretty well is Matthew Stafford. He is. Yeah, I don't know that he's as good as he was when they won the Super Bowl. I, I feel right. like, and of course, he didn't have Cooper Cup for the first few games. So right. some of this some of this is contextual. So yeah, like the next group for me right behind Kirk would be Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith. This version of Baker Mayfield has been playing really well. CJ Stroud has looked really good Yes, with the Texans. He's been the best rookie I, quarterback. I struggled with him because... He's played uh, really well, but I didn't know, but I didn't put him in that group yet. Uh, so, so we both agreed Rogers out because of the Achilles, right? Yeah. So, cause I mean, he, he'd be in there probably somewhere mm-hmm. if he was playing, but I, I also did not uh, put him in. All right. We're going to be in lockstep here on the top one. Patrick Mahomes is the best, mm-hmm. Like he just is. It's just not, it's in my opinion, not debatable he does things that are otherworldly uh the second one's going to surprise you a bit but the more i watch that this guy i like him he's in his third year but i consider him to be in his second year because of how poorly he was coached and how big of a mess this team was i'm putting trevor lawrence second right now wow. i i wow. i think he's a generational quarterback and i think he's, he's really showing good. it more and more um i also like how he's wired there's just a lot of things about him and i wonder if doug peterson had been his coach from day one how how that changes things now we can't go back and change that but his two years now with doug peterson have been impressive so he's mm-hmm. my number two um joe burrow three joe burrow's had a weird year but he's been hurt so like if i can have if you if you wave a magic wand above joe's head tomorrow and then tell me okay you got one game to win joe burrow's going to be in my top three picks mm-hmm um, and I, I think I don't think he's going to be healthy again, unfortunately, this season. But I think in 2024, he'll come back and be absolutely fine. Josh Allen is my fourth. Justin Herbert is my fifth, partially yeah. based on the recency bias of having watched him in person. I mean, Brian Flores, who has had a lot of success sending blitzes, right? He blitzed the ever loving, you know what, out of Justin Herbert and Herbert picked him apart. 400 yards. I mean, but that was ridiculous. It was easy. Mm-hmm. He exactly. That's the, exactly. You know what he does? And this is what to me makes like the rare, like if you ask me to define what makes greatness, it's when you make the game look easy. And he's doing it kind of despite too. the head coach. He's doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say Brandon Staley is just like, he's a coordinator, right? Yeah. And it, it kind of, I don't know. Defensive coordinator, dude. And Kellen Moore is probably a step up. Um, if Justin Herbert was surrounded by an infrastructure coaching wise, that was more solid. I think he might be second on my list. Like it was that good. I, I, it was, it knocked my socks off. All right. So that's my top, uh, what? One, two, three, four, five. Number six, Tua. Mm -hmm. 
Number seven, the master, the orchestrator of the Tush Push, Jalen Hurts. I still like him a lot. Yes, uh, he has not been as good, but he does. I think that week two game, what that showed me is he knows how to win games, which impressed me. And so I've got him. Uh, I've we we got have the th- same top seven in different orders. So yeah, I, and I don't think it's that tough. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think it's that tough. Um, I struggled more with how guys are playing this season, starting with eight. Like the seven to me, if Burrow was okay, or he, if Burrow was really good, and was having his current season, I probably drop him significantly. But I know what's there. Um, number eight, Lamar Jackson. Number nine. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. That's right. I got your guy. I got your guy, Jared Goff. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I had him eighth, so we have him nope. pretty much the same. Nope. Uh, number number 10, Brock Purdy. Number yeah. 11, Kirk Cousins. And then right be and then right around Kirk, but be behind him, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott. This is what I've always said, Phil. Kirk will always fall, I believe, to the um, to the sort of unbiased eye. Kirk will always fall where I've got Kirk and where you've got Kirk. And this is the thing: like we sell too many people celebrate the Vikings having the 11th best quarterback in the NFL and being okay with it, and wondering why would you ever want to move off the 11th best quarterback in the NFL? My God. Well, there's only 32 teams. It's kind of like how. We tend to celebrate, oh, just go win nine or 10 games and just go be about the 11th best team and -hmm. get in. Everything about the Vikings screams about the 11th best team. They got about the 11th best quarterback. You know, they got about uh, nine, 10 wins on a regular basis, which puts you about 11th best in the NFL. Yep. Uh, Since the Wills took over in 2005 as owners, the Vikings have averaged exactly a 500 record, which puts you probably between like 11th and 15th in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of quarterbacks that are worse. There's a lot of teams that would probably swap places with you. But if your goal is to win a championship, you got to you well, got to start to evaluate what what can you really do when you perennially have the 11th best quarterback in the NFL who makes this year his cap numbers lower, obviously, because they shoved over half of it into next year to lower right. it. But, right. you know, it's just it kind of explains why they are where they are on a regular basis. The you know? The bin in which. Kirk resides. So this is not to pick on Kirk, but the bin in which Kirk resides is a great bin if you don't trust yourself. Which is where Rick Spielman was. Like this whole thing goes back to that contract was done because Rick no longer trusted him himself. I think personally, ownership probably said, We don't trust you. And Rick's like, Okay, I gotta save my job. I'm going to make a massive investment in a guy who is very, very solid. I think that's it. I think that bin will guarantee you never being awful. But Kevin O'Connell wasn't hired to try not to be awful. He was hired to try to find a quarterback. 
Dennis Green here. Hopefully it's not uh, Dennis Green from the beyond, but Dennis Green chimes in here on the YouTube comment section in all caps with his caps lock jammed. Winning and losing is not a QB stat. I would say two things about that. In the small sample size, 100% right, because football ultimately does have a 53-man roster. But if you look, once once starting quarterbacks get to like a sample size of 7,500, 150 games, the best quarterbacks because things are changing around them. It's like a 10-year sample, different coaches, different offensive. Like, the quarterback is the one that stays the longest. They New offensive line comes in. New defensive players come in, right? The -hmm. best quarterbacks, with a few exceptions, like Jim McMahon has one of the best win-loss record percentage-wise in the the NFL's history, but it tends to even out to where you're going to be pretty far above 500 over like 100 starts if you're a really good quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the other thing. If winning and losing isn't a quarterback stat, then why are we tripping all over ourselves to pay non-franchise changing quarterbacks 20% of the team's salary cap across the league, right? If football is such a team sport, which it is, like it's it's a team sport influenced the most by a quarterback, right? Hey, there's 53 guys out there. The defense has to do a job. The offensive line has to do a job. But damn it, we're going to pay one guy 18, 20% of the team's salary cap, right? Seems pretty foolish. Unless mm-hmm. that one guy can make up for trading away Tyreek Hill, right? If he can make up, or if Justin Jefferson is out with an injury, if that one guy can make another star and rise above the fray, right? So let's keep, wow, that was like a 20 minute answer right there to that first question. David Lindell says, re-sign Daniel Hunter instead of trading him. Please talk about possible contracts he could sign for instead of speculating on what you could get in a trade that would rob us of a premium position player. If we lose Daniel Hunter, we create another monster hole on our roster. Absolutely Absolutely correct. And this is what I would say, okay? It's very important. So listen closely. Beware of the cliff. If Daniel Hunter was coming out of his first contract, I uh, thou, I would say by Halloween, you better have him signed up. Long-term, massive contract. But ask yourself this question. We had, um, well, not we, me. I personally had a lot of pushback this week. A lot of people who turned on Quick Trip Judd because of the fact that I suggested <laughs> that the Vikings would even entertain listening to uh, potential offers for Christian Derrissaw, which I think are coming in. I, I don't think they're going to trade him. But ask yourself this question. So put the pieces of the puzzle together. And at some point, you have to realize you can't pay everybody. You just can't. So would you rather entertain the possibility of trading Christian Derrissaw for a massive haul? Um, I think you're going to re-sign Jefferson, so I won't even entertain trading him. But some some folks like to. Or Daniel Hunter. So if I was to come to you with a list of three guys and say, one of these guys can't be re-signed, you're already paying TJ Hawkinson ridiculous cash, which might turn out to be a bad investment. Don't know on that one. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be. So if it's a rookie, awesome, but you don't know. So don't look at this as, oh my God, Daniel Hunter, because he has been great, but he is about to turn 29. And you have to, if you are, if you're the guy and I sit you down with an old school ledger, with salaries and salary cap and facts and figures. And I say, we can't afford all of these people. Think of it that way. 
Yeah. Because what we're doing is we're seeing these all individual. And I'm with you guys. I'm with Yeah, bring Hunter back. Bring Derisaw. Bring everybody back. But that's not the reality. And Phil, we've been fighting this fight on Cousins, but it can go to any player. You can't afford all these guys. And you say beware of the cliff. I would also say beware of the wave. Like there's there's always a, it's an age wave that's coming for you in the NFL. And if that wave sweeps over you all like of a sudden now, and it's it's kind of happening with the Vikings the last couple of years where they had these good players. They decided a couple of years ago and last year again, Eric Hendricks, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, like we're, we're going to Harrison Smith. We're going to keep this group together because we want to win a Super Bowl. In reality, they weren't being realistic about their actual chances to win a Super Bowl. It was their, their strategy was sort of hope. And they had a fun 13 win season last year, and that's great. And maybe, maybe like if you pulled the fans and everyone say, you know what? It was worth it. It was that was one of the most fun seasons, quite frankly, in the last 20 years of Vikings football. The fourth quarter comebacks and the win mm -hmm. against Buffalo, the comeback against the Colts. In terms of just being fun to follow a football team, it was great. But you have seen a ton of players like key players go over the age cliff leave for either nothing or like a fifth round pick or a pick swap or something. So if you're not a Super Bowl contender, you have to look at how do we get assets that can make us a Super Bowl contender at some point. And Daniel Hunter, for instance, so he's really good right now. He's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. He's also going to be 29 years old here. Like I think in a week or two. So when edge rushers start falling off that cliff, in terms of no longer being an elite edge rusher, he's kind of right there, like 29, 30, 31. You can still play into your early 30s, but you're no longer a franchise changer at right. that position, usually once you hit 30 or 31 years old. And do you want that on your books when he's not? So, so you want to pay two, for past production, in, right? Yes. That's, and, and I've always said, this is the one league in which I don't reward guys. Sorry, I reward you on your second contract. And the fact that Hunter signed a bad second contract is nobody's fault but his own. So, like, he blew his opportunity, in my opinion, to maximize his earning from the, the Vikings. But to go back to your point, too, so Dalvin Cook, the Jets barely use him. He's either completely cooked or they just don't – I don't know what. Okay? Brees but, Hall's awesome is part but of that it, right? mean, yeah, Yeah, but that move looks very good. I'll give you a move that looks bad but I think is good is Thielen. He's having a great season for a terrible team, okay? But the reality is this. You in with what he and, and Cook same way with what they were scheduled to make. If I don't want them back on my books, so like, and, and do I think that Thielen is in the midst of a career resurgence that's going to last for three years? Absolutely not. Yeah. So like, these are the decisions that have to be made. And I know we like players, and that's awesome. And I know that you know a guy like Hunter is a treat to watch. So I'm not saying I don't want to watch him. I'd love the Vikings to keep him. But when you look at this all together, Phil. You can't, you need to take care of the guys going into their second contracts. That means Jefferson's going to break the bank and he should. Because they're 25, it, 26 yes. years old. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. If you're near 30, I'm sorry. You're going to be taking, there's going to be a long, hard look at not what you're doing currently, what you might do. So with Daniel, one more thing on Daniel that we can keep going here is it's not a binary. Do you want Daniel Hunter or not? Obviously, if if it, if my choice is just would I prefer to have Daniel Hunter or not have Daniel Hunter, I would prefer to have Daniel Hunter. But if the choices are, say, A, you get Daniel Hunter, but he gets a say in this too, right? He wants a ton of money. So it's Daniel Hunter ages 29, 30, 31, 
at $25 million a year, which is about what the fourth or fifth highest paid edge rusher makes right now in the NFL. And that's what he's going to demand, right? So it's Daniil who makes $25 million for the next three years. Or would you rather have, say, like a late first round pick from the Jaguars or somebody and the $25 million in cap space that that creates to go sign a younger player or two players? So it's a it's a big time decision. Uh, Daniel Hicks says, after listening to you guys uh, do your carve a path to nine wins episode, I thought I'd chime in again here for Vikings fans still looking for hope. Monday will end the parade of top end quarterback talent that the Vikings play. According to ESPN's QBR, the Vikings have faced five of the top 10 QBR quarterbacks in their first seven games. After Monday, they'll have eight games against quarterbacks ranked 17th or lower. Uh, Jared Goff is in two of those games. He ranks fourth right now. So, I mean, yeah, like if you're looking for hope for this season, the schedule does lighten up in a bunch of different ways, for sure. It does. It does. But amazing Amazingly enough, for the most part, my uh, my contention is the defense hasn't been the problem. <laughs> so it's, like it's yeah, it's been as as it's been good as we could good. have hoped for. Yeah, like the like like I can give you, I can give you certain sequences in which the defense has let down the the uh, drive by the Eagles in week two where they rammed the ball down their throats. But how many games have you watched the Vikings this season and thought they played a really bad defensive game? I'll give him credit. There's not a lot of those. Yeah. And they're doing it with like pretty weak personnel. They don't have interior defensive linemen and no, no personnel's not great, but that coordinator. Yeah. No question. He's legit. Joseph cheek says, I think the worst thing that could happen against the 49ers would be a close loss. If the Vikings beat the Niners, I think at least I feel okay about the team. Maybe deciding to make a push for the playoffs. If they get blown out, then I think even the Wolves would sign off on a fire sale. But if they lose in a tight competitive game, I think the team goes on to try and make a push and then not make the playoffs while also not selling at the trade deadline. I wow. could, I could, I could see them making that decision. Let's say the Niners beat them by a field goal. They play their asses off. Yeah. Let's go get one at Lambeau, you know, get on the board at Lambeau. KOC I, I can see that happening. K- KOC convinces crazy. Come on, man. We, we're so close. We are so close. If we just, away we go. The, <laughs> this could very well, that's a great note. This could very well end up being like the if season, right? Like if if we clean up the fumbles, if we could get stops on third, you know, or, or if we could convert on third down, if the running game gets right, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's a lot of ifs. It is. Yeah, ifs and hope are not are not great strategies, but we've seen the Vikings do it a lot. Uh, Todd Lemke says, love the show. Listen to your Friday podcast or listen to your podcast uh, every day. I even drink a lot of surly beer because of you guys. Before I continue on with Todd Lemke's uh, comment here, let's tell the audience about these Feedback Fridays are sponsored in part by our friends at Surly, that before I die lager here. Look at that, oh, right look at that glorious look can. Look at that beautiful can. If you want mm-hmm. a can like this, you know what? It's as close as your as uh, your local liquor store, perhaps on tap at your bar, Before I Die by Surly Brewing. It's not just a beer. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice. It means that you are loyal to your Vikings and that you, yes, want to see a Super Bowl before you die. And as you're sipping on this refreshing beer at the bar or perhaps on Sunday on your couch watching the game, remember, even if this is not the season, well, there's always next year. And that is what Before I Die speaks to. Surly Brewing, I got to tell you right now, furious logic bomb. I could go through an entire list of great beers. Uh, But, you know, 
during football season, we here at Purple Daily suggest you make it up before I die. And thanks to Surly for your longstanding support of our show. Our dogs aren't old enough to drink alcohol yet. So uh, speak they, for your own dog, Maya. Stella's in the wine every night. Uh, she's a little older. Yeah, Maya, I've told Maya, you're not 21 yet, but you are definitely old enough to eat Nutrisource, that chicken and rice food that she slobbers all over every time we pull out the bag of Nutrisource. It is uh, Christmas morning for Maya here. So uh, our dogs are uh, our dogs are all in on Nutrisource, Judd. It's fair to say. Oh, Stella most definitely is too. Not just for uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but also for treats for the training rewards treats. When she comes inside, she loves the the, the treats. And you know, Phil, how nice would it be to go through life where there was just one food that made you that happy? Like you didn't have to be like, what should we have for dinner tonight? Because you knew it was going to be Nutrisource, and you knew it was going to be outstanding. In some ways. Maya and Stella are the lucky ones because Nutrisource is there for them. It's funny. Is there a food that makes you just like, oh my gosh, I, I would eat this three times a day the rest of my life and I would have You know what I could have a lot of? Now, now it's more probably sides. Mashed potatoes. I could really? do mashed potatoes almost every day of the week. I also <laughs> love rice. I'm a big starch guy. I'm not a big sweets guy. I'm a huge starch guy. I love yeah. starches. I don't know. I, I like to sort of switch it up, but I, I think probably like spicy tuna rolls I could probably eat, like sushi. You, times a day. you and your body are just constantly at conflict. Dude, I had uh I had some buffalo wings last night that did not agree with me this morning. I've never seen a person's way. brain spike their stomach so much. <laughs> like your stomach's like, dude, don't do this. No, no, no. And your brain's like, ah, screw it. Let's no, do let's it. Let's do it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Also, hey, over at scorenorth.com slash shop, we have a collectibles wing. As you see on the YouTube channel right now, courtesy of our friends at Universal Sports Auctions, there's a Harrison Smith signed jersey here that you can get your hands on. These are all buy it nows, by the way. All sorts of amazing items for your man cave, your office. Maybe it's, you know, we're coming up on holiday season here. Gift ideas for friends, family members, kids, parents, whatever it is. Who's that Vikings fan in your life? Go to scorenorth.com slash shop and click on collectibles to find a full array of amazing items. Use the promo code SCORE at checkout. That's S-K-O-R for 10% off everything store-wide. All right, back to the feedback here. Uh, the rest of Todd's question is, I don't agree with you guys on one thing, and that is you think the Vikings should make Justin Jefferson a 30 to $40 million franchise receiver. Whoever heard of a franchise receiver? I think they should blow it up and trade Justin Jefferson. I mean, this goes to your point earlier in the week that every conversation is probably being had in a conference room as likely or unlikely as the actual transaction would be. It probably comes up. Hey, God, his agent's playing hardball. Think we can get three first round picks for him. Like that probably does come up internally. Well, yeah. And especially since they clearly tried uh, during the past offseason to get a contract done and it didn't get done. So, yeah, I do. I believe the contract is going to get done in part because I do not want to cause alarm on this show. I do not want to sound the alarm. Hell, I talked about Christian Derrissaw and we had a three alarm fire. Imagine what a Justin Jefferson trade. People would freak. Break. People freaked at you. Um, but but you, but you know what? That note is not without substance. Like, OK, do I believe a receiver can change your franchise? Yes, I believe that, that there are some. But I also get the point completely. And. I personally have dismissed it, but perhaps I shouldn't. I don't think they trade him. I think they pay him. But I will say this. 
when you pay him, there will be fallout. Like, like there will be guys you can't keep because of that. So at some point you're going to have to make choices, the team yeah. and, and the fan base too. Like what do you, they cannot keep all of your favorite players. They just can't. Yeah. Uh, Randy Dorhoffner, Hoffer, Dorhoffer says, Hey Mackie. Hey Mackie. Mackie. I watched the show yesterday and can't tell you how embarrassing it is to listen and think that you and the rest of these guys represent the Vikings. Always negative. Maybe you should rethink your selections of the teams you represent when you apply for your next job. Skull forever. Well, that's interesting because my last paycheck from the team went right through. They, I, I actually was called in. By does Quasi. Ziggy sign yours manually or does he have a stamp that he puts on your paycheck? Um, dude, I'm going to tell you right mine. now, be, because of the tough love from me, from Quick Trip Judd, the tough love, he hand delivers the check every every other Friday. <laughs> he drives it over here, gets in his car, yeah. drives it to my house. Well, he has a driver, but yeah, yeah. But he gets no, out of the... No, no, he's like, oh, Judd, he I want to be just like you. He drives right over here in his, in his uh, Pinto, knocks on my door, and hand delivers the check. So if you think I don't represent the team well, you your argument is with the Wills. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, Randy, sorry that we uh, haven't been more pie in the sky, Pollyanna, with the two and four start to the season. Hopefully, hopefully you come back around at some point when things are brighter. Okay, uh, the Rogue Dracker has some more criticism here for the show, which is fine. We're open to criticism. Let's face it, 90% of this show is speculation. I love the show. But the worthless banter is never ending. Let's guess about this. Guess about that. It would be nice if Judd, who is always on site, would actually find out some real information rather than just being another talking head. What? Um, yeah, you're exactly right. You know what I'll do? I feel like we provide a ton of information. And you even provide inside information from time to time on this show. I even provide inside information yeah. sometimes. Well, when I go to training you camp. Know? Um, I got bad news for you because I, I don't know, like, yes, we, uh, we, of course, we, of course, recklessly speculate, uh, but I got bad news for you there. I'm not sure if you've been checking. There's not a, there's not a ton of information like hardcore uh, sink your teeth into that comes out once training camp is done. You can't watch practices. Your access to players and coaches is exactly what they want it to be. And I'm, I'm not being a smart ass here. I'm just saying um, we try to make the show fun and we try to talk about things that we think people will like. But like if you want us to be if you want us to be sitting in TCO speculating on things, I got bad news for you. There's a there's an entity that does that and they're not going to say really what they think. Yeah, I think what's, you know, I don't know how far down this or path what I they know. Go, how, but how about that? What they they're not going to be able to say what they know as much. That's the team, the team, the, I think the reason with some of the trade, let's use the trade stuff as an example. You know, we've we've been highly speculative since the Vikings got off to a bad start about what could happen before the October 31st trade deadline. We're not sitting on here reporting, hey, this is what I'm hearing inside the building or this is what's being said. This is what's going to happen because. They don't want that information to get out. So to this point, the only information that's come out, like Glazer had something a week ago that said, hey, I haven't heard anything since training camp, but at training camp, they were trying to sign Cousins to an extension. That was like two months ago, three months ago. Um, Doogie has reported that 
the Vikings are getting some phone calls, but you know, there's not like the Vikings don't want information out. So there's not a ton to be gathered right now. So yes, right. it is going to be highly speculative over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And if, if that is a problem, if, if that's something you don't enjoy as a content consumer, you know, maybe once the speculation period's over after October 31st, we will, we will have less of it. Just- there, there's a good question from Danilo Artez there. Um, that's a very fair question about why I'm not asking KOC the tough questions. Uh, the reason is this during training camp, training camp falls perfectly for me to go. And like, we, we make sure I, I can go because I can watch entire practices and then come back in and it's like worth our time. Uh, KOC's press conferences in season fall basically during our recording sessions. And we've got, we've got about you know four podcasts a day, purple daily. So I guess the value, I guess the question is, would it be valuable for us to change our recording schedule so that, cause, but you wouldn't be able to watch practice cause they closed that no, you off. You can't watch any people. practice. That's the problem. So it's like, you would it be valuable stretch. for Judd to go down there and like get one question in on a Wednesday? Right. Cause you can't, you also can't hog the press conference cause there's 20 other media members there. So it's, what if, uh, I, what if I talk to him about doing the show from his office? He's a, he's, a friend a of the, he's a friend of the show. So, And then if I have a question during the show, I can just be like, hey, KOC, what's going on with the run game? Alex, hey, KOC, guy. Alex Madison, 25 touches? What? What are we doing here? Huh? I got some ideas here <laughs> drawn up on the back of my quick trip co- copy. You check this out, Kevin. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Richard Sean oh, says... Longtime listener, often agree with your Vikings takes. I do have a critique. It seems like over the years, the show is dedicating more and more time to arguing on air against negative Twitter feedback. Maybe this is good for ratings because you get hate listeners who tune in just to get angry, but it's not great content from my point of view. People on Twitter will argue if you say the sky is blue. If I were in your shoes, I'd stick by my opinion. I will say, you know what? We probably do all too often take things that happen on like social media and make them part of the show. I would agree with this critique. We can probably back off on some of that. Sometimes it's kind of fun, though, because it's like... I like feedback, though. These are arguments that are being had in Vikingsville, you know? But I like the feedback, too. So, like, I yes, yes, a, he's right. A lot of uh, the feedback is that we're morons, which might be the case. But I sort of like that. And, like, with the Darisaw thing, I thought that was great. Like, we got a ton both ways of, hey, that's not a bad idea. And, Judge, you're so stupid. It's unbelievable. But I enjoy the byplay. Yeah. Like, yeah. as long as it's not completely over the top, hey, wh- why don't you go jump off a building? I, I should have enjoy that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying I understand the fact that people might grow bored of the pushback from us at times, but I like the pushback from the fans, and I don't necessarily think that we should ignore it consistently because yeah. it is feedback. I think we like to make, we like to make you guys a part of the show. You know, yeah. we do pride ourselves on being the most fan friendly show, whether we agree or disagree. Maybe it gets too negative or whatever. But like at the end of the day, we all want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl and we want you to have a voice on the show. And some of those voices come from Twitter. Some of them come from the YouTube comment section. Sometimes we bring people on fans on Ventline and write that down. So, you know, maybe we're maybe we're overcorrecting a little bit with some of this. Uh, Derek Vetter says, I've been seeing the should Kirk take Tuesdays off arguments resurfacing on Twitter lately, and I want to add my thoughts on the subject. 
now the irony of us bringing up a question from an argument that surfaced on Twitter after the last question is not lost upon us here, but this is what Derek says. First off, I understand why a lot of people say things like, what, Kirk can't be a good dad and play football? Or, wow, do you guys think he should ever do anything other than think about football? He has a life, too. I understand that side of people's thinking, but only if they have an agenda to prop Kirk up no matter what. My counter argument to them has nothing to do with how hard Kirk works or if he should sacrifice being a good dad. Hey, that's what he wants to do. Who am I to tell him to live his life otherwise? But as a fan who invests time, money, and sometimes my sanity into this team, I don't care if my quarterback is a good dad. I couldn't care less if he's a good husband. I literally don't care about his home life. I want a guy who is an absolute maniac, a guy who lives, eats, and breathes football. I want someone who is obsessed with winning to the point that his family suffers because of it. I don't have to live life with him. It's not my problem. Do you guys think Kobe or Jordan or Brady or Manning took full days off in season? Not a chance. So Kirk stands, defend him all you want. Just know that you're missing the point. He's not wired correctly to be an elite championship quarterback. What do you think about this? Okay, if you remove the parts where he goes too far a little bit, which which personally I um, I think is funny. But anyway, uh, it, so I think the conversation really revolves around this, and that is how players are wired. So it's not like just the Tuesday thing, right? Like the Tuesday thing. Should work Tuesday. Should not work Tuesdays. But think about the list of guys and the list that that he he had is like Hall of Fame greatness. But think about how those guys were wired and the drive to win a champ, the singular drive to win championships. And I do think that there's a discussion there. I do think that that wiring matters a lot. Like this is and football is a brutal sport. Football is a brutal sport. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think that there are some really successful QBs who were probably not great dads and awful husbands. So, but it's a more in-depth discussion to me about what is your wiring? Cause I mean, I've been on record for a long time and I'll continue to say this. Kirk Cousins will never win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think he'll sniff one. Uh, does that make him a bad quarterback? Absolutely not. Does he look like a good dad? Hell yeah. Yeah. But like, these are the nuanced conversations. And again, I guarantee you these conversations take place within teams. Cause you don't want a bad person. You don't want a bad locker room person. Like, like you don't say, how can we get the biggest derelict we can find? But I do think you say this guy's singular focus is so on football that, that we desire what this person would bring to the team. And are we really going to sweat how he treats his wife and kids as long as he is not physically abusive? Yeah, probably not. Like it, yeah. it, it's a real, dis- it's a real interesting discussion that I think we laugh off as well. It's a Tuesday's off. Come on. Yeah, it's it, it is a really it's a God that Netflix series kind of shined a light on this thing because the art the pushback I have seen with this like people defending Kirk on the Tuesday's off deal is like everyone's an idiot who think like the NFL doesn't practice on Tuesdays. Tuesday is a is a, a CBA mandated off day from practice. Yes, he is saying. I disengage from football. I do not look at film. I do not like he probably does some body work. Some of the stuff like the deep tissue massage stuff. I think some of that might happen on Tuesday. Right. Like throughout the week. But he is saying I'm I take a 24 hour block to not look at film. And I have I have heard that that's odd, that that is not 
mm-hmm. normal for a top-end starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, does he get the rest of his work in? Does he go double time on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Like, And this is where I kind of defended him when the Netflix thing came out, too, is I don't know that I've ever thought he was underprepared in a football game. Justin Fields, as Alex Boone pointed out in that film review on Trenches with us this week, that dude's underprepared to read defenses. Probably shouldn't be taking Tuesday off. Kirk Cousins, I've never thought, boy, he just like didn't know what he was looking at this week. You know, the criticisms of Kirk are more like personality or fire in the gut or right. lack of mobility. It's it's things that probably don't have anything to do with engaging on a Tuesday. So it's even nuanced from that perspective. But, you know, if you're in the locker room and you're trying to win a championship and you're a head coach who's two and four and you're scheming for a game against the 49ers or the Packers, right? Just think about this from your perspective. This is your life, man. Like you get one crack at this, maybe as a coach, as a player, your career's probably going to be over within five or six years. And this guy makes about 30, $40 million and doesn't, and can't be found on a Tuesday. I'm just saying like that it's an interesting dynamic that should not be completely overlooked and defended. Well, and I'm get, and I I don't know if uh, KOC can like um, FaceTime him on Tuesdays or not. But the other thing too, with a guy like Kirk at his age, you want him to basically be a co-OC. Like you don't want like if this was just a Kirk is the guy that works here and is your your QB he is super prepared yeah but I'm talking that next step of of essentially a guy that rises to you know if it's late in the game play clock is running down clock is running down step to the line of scrimmage you're in the red zone do you try and hurriedly hear a play from KOC or do you know exactly what he wants or do you know exactly what you want which is to stop the clock these are the things where like you become empowered to make decisions when you consider yourself to be a coach on the field and that's what you want like if Kirk's going to be in the conversation that a lot of people want him in which is like uh as far as the brain goes it's like a Peyton Manning conversation you want that guy to have full control and to know everything. Oh, Dennis Green's back with caps lock. Dennis Green has been not trolling. I've been watching. And, not clocking it made no I've, difference. I've been watching his comments. He has um, he has been the definition of a troll. But anyway, you know, <laughs> but that's where this conversation, I think, you know, we always just think, well, it's just about Tuesdays. Who cares? The other thing, too, is you got a lot of off season. I'm not asking you to come into work on in, in June. It's really, Ever. yeah, it's really, you You got to be all in from August 1st, July, July 25th, usually for the Vikings through like the first week in January, ideally yeah. later. Well, how do you extend that? You know, um, just on the clocking thing, even if clocking it or not clocking, it wouldn't have made the difference on that next play because it was an interception either way. It could have made a difference. That's the thing. Like. Those that time coming off the clock and that chaos could have made a difference. Well, it's, a, it's a process critique. And according to the team, though, it made it made a big one because keep in mind they said the fans were too loud. Yep. If I clock the ball, the crowd shuts up. Yep. So basically, the team is telling you that a mistake was made. The yes. call was coming from inside the house, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, that's I got one more for you here, and then uh, we're going to wrap this very spirited feedback Friday here. Kyle McQueen says, I'm beginning to fear that KOC is either delusional in his belief in underperforming players or too afraid to upset guys by shaking things up. Mm. This goes back to not firing easy Ed last year, too. Most he's done is acquire a Cam Akers or a Dalton Reisner, but they both feel more like motivational tools for the incumbent starters than potential new solutions. 
At what point does he actually start shifting things around to protect the team from its weaknesses? And at one point do we have to consider if KOC is too much of a player's coach? This is really interesting. It's a good question. It's a great, great question. And I've thought of it myself. And I want to say, you know what? It's early, right? It's early in his tenure. He he got 13 wins last year and the start is bad, but it's only year two. And I've certainly seen things in year two that I think are concerning. But then I try to calm myself down by saying, well, let's give it more time. But, you know, going back to Ed, who I think should have been fired in December of last year, and I know that would have been tough, but I just, you know, he was clearly begging Ed to do things that Ed wouldn't do. And then he was being defied. You're, dude, you're the head coach of the team. Yeah. Um, the Madison thing. Like, what is that about other than he really likes him? And he's hoping, you know, that contract, it's not like he broke the bank, right, Phil? Mm-hmm. So it's not like he didn't get five years at $75 million. And, oh, my God, he has to play. Um, I'm trying not to get too worked up about it, but I know exactly what he's saying and i don't disagree that there's certainly some there's certainly some signs that he's gonna that kevin's gonna have to bring a hammer down that he has yet to really bring down yeah there's the offensive line thing with i think these are two different things like the reisner and the acres deal when they signed reisner i still feel like there were some big questions about the offensive line the offensive line has largely been really good now that cleveland's out the injury will because he didn't practice yesterday we'll see if he practices today but with that foot injury. Reisner's probably going to start and play against San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit less cut and dry. With the Madison thing, I don't know how much more evidence you need that he should not be touching the ball 18 times on run plays and seven times in the passing game for targets. Like Cam Akers has to get some extra work. So I it's don't weird. know what that's all about. It's weird too because I, I went back and looked at it yesterday. You know, against the Chiefs, it got split way more. And so that was sort of the start I thought of, okay, they're convinced that acres at this point is becoming comfortable. So we're going to see him more and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be more of a split. And then against the bears, it went totally the other way. And I don't exactly know why they're like, we didn't see one thing against the bears that said, this is an Alexander Madison game. I totally get this. So that is probably the most baffling thing. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, San Francisco, if we don't see more cam acres, then Maybe Judd can get down there and ask the tough the tough questions on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. We'll see. Yeah. So, but hey, thank you guys. If you haven't already, please click that subscribe button and the like button on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Over forty thousand subscribers earlier this month. So, thank you guys for not only helping us grow the YouTube channel, but on the Apple side, making this one of the most popular football podcasts in the United States the last couple of years. We are your Vikings therapists. If they do beat the Niners, we will definitely help celebrate. Um, We're going to hit you with a couple episodes over the weekend, too. Purple Access with Judd and Chip. We've got our Purple Picks coming out on Sunday. So thank you for hanging out with us here. Purple Daily Feedback Friday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel.